0: Welcome to creekside uh, every quarter we take a missions offering and so i just want to highlight our missionaries we're supporting this time again and i think i've got a few pictures here uh, so we have just as a reminder we commended two uh, families to the lord's work around the world last year uh, last year we sent pablo and bethany calderon to romania and uh, i just want to share a couple updates on them they had some answer to prayer this year they got their visas approved through immigration. Uh, in March and they were able to get a vehicle back in January so just praise the Lord for some of those details working out for them and then here's some of the things they're doing so you kinda wonder what's going on over in Romania here's Pablo uh, remember when he was here with us for a few months helping us with music and everything he's teaching history and Bible and some music for the little kids at the English school there he's starting a new men's ministry this month and He's, he's a music guy, you know. He travels with the Ineloquent Band with Dan and Georgiana. So uh, he's starti- gonna start up some community worship nights and music workshops for local churches. And then, of course, language training. So it's not his native language. He has a tutor and has to work hard to learn the language. And then uh, Bethany, she's also working at this English school. And so she's involved in a lot of things, planning events, administration, on the accreditation team. And she's also language training and involved in the Sunday school at their church. So pray for Pablo and Bethany uh, as they're getting adjusted to life there. It sounds like little Carolina is getting adjusted pretty well. And then uh, Lucas and Lois Richard. This is my sister Lois, who was here just till a few years ago when she married this uh, missionary, Lucas. And so they just went to Liberia this past month in March. And just keep praying for them as they get settled in there. Uh, they have a car on the way, they have a place to live, and right away they're jumping in with ministry, and I got a couple of pictures here, they've been putting this on, I'm not a Facebook person, but I was able to pull a couple in, uh, on their children's ministry, and they, they had an event recently with 500 children there in Liberia, and if you know Lois, uh, if you remember her here, she, she was, had a heart for the children, you know, she did Awana for many years, and uh, you can just see Lois here, she's right at home in her niche, uh, working with these children, so just pray for them, and they Long-term goal is to start a church there and train the locals to be the leaders and build the church through the indigenous people in Liberia. Uh, They're gonna be there till October and then they'll come back just for a little bit because they have elections during that time and it can be a time of unrest and so just, they'll be back in October for a little bit. Maybe we'll get to see them here. Um, Okay, next is Matt and Trista Deaver matt grew up in our youth group here was saved in our youth group led several to christ during that time went off to new tribes mission bible school and is now they're now full-time missionaries in nepal and so we've been supporting them Uh, he's been language learning preached his first sermon in nepali recently Uh, they're coming back for a visit and they're going to be here on june 11th so you get to see matt here uh, preaching on june 11th Uh, colin and diane lord in Papua New Guinea. Now, this, they do a missionary work you don't often think of. In Papua New Guinea they have a large Wycliffe Bible Translation Center and there's hundreds of untranslated languages just in Papua New Guinea alone plus a, uh, that area of the world. And they work there serving the kids of the translators. It's such a large translation work there that there's enough kids of the translators to have a school. And so they serve as teachers in that school for the translators' kids uh, doing music. And they were here uh, for Awana and just the other Wednesday night and they did a little song and told the kids about how the, they got all about 40 kids or so up here lined up giving them each a role in the translation work just explaining how many people it actually takes to get the Bible into a heart language of the people and so here's a picture at Awana here uh, you can't see them real well but you can see all the kids and we just wrapped up Awana last week so uh, we had a great turnout my mom uh, talked to me last night and said well, I think we had an average of about 50 some kids a week, but over the course of the year, some kids you know just come for a week or two, and we had about 90 kids registered total throughout the course of the year. So just praise God for His work in our Awana program. And um, with that, I just, I just real quick want to have anyone who helped with Awana stand up real quick to be recognized. Just go ahead and stand on up if you helped with Awana this year. Yeah, thank you, thank you, everyone. We really appreciate that, coming week after week, uh, working with these kids to help them know our Creator and Savior, the Lord Jesus. Uh, so Colin and Diane are going back to Papua New Guinea. They don't have the funds yet, so we're going to send some of this offering to help them uh, get back over there to Papua New Guinea to do that work. And then uh, a few other missionaries we support with this offering is Dana Georgiana Akins Osle in Romania. They work with Pablo and Bethany. Micah and Amy and Tuttle in Peru and Bob and Sukon in Uganda, who we've... I've been supporting for about 15 years so uh, just keep praying for these missionaries you know they're they're out there Uh, they're doing the work of God trying to lead people to Christ and build up the church in parts of the world that don't have a strong witness and testimony of Jesus so just keep praying for them Um, also this morning we wanna recognize some graduates of high school and college and so if you're here uh, I'm gonna embarrass you and just bring you up real quick so from high school we have Brandon Brandon Thronston, and uh, college, we have Trevor Grubb, Haley Nicolette, and Adam Westfall. I don't know if Adam can get away from the tech booth back there. All right. And Haley. I don't see Trevor here, but that's okay. I just want to pray for you guys and uh, commit you to the Lord. Brandon's graduating from Johnston High School, and you might have this insert in your bulletin that tells you all this. Uh, Trevor Grubb from DMAC with Diesel Technology, and he's going to be working in Omaha for a truck center. Haley from the Iowa School of Beauty in Urbandale and is a licensed cosmologist working uh, at Color Bar Salon off Governor Square. And Adam Westfall graduated from ISU with his MIS degree. He's already got a job working that at Guide One Insurance in the technology department. So that's, that's kind of what I do too, so that's pretty cool. All right, I'm going to pray for you guys and then I'm also going to pray for our offering and we'll commit our time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just thank you Uh, for what you're doing around the world. We thank you that the gospel is going forward in all parts of the world. Uh, We pray for the Calderons and Richard's and Matt and Trista Deaver and Colin and Diane Lord, uh, the Cohens and Tuttle's and we just commit them all to you for your keeping and care that you would uh, help them and empower them in their ministry. Help them, help those who are going through language training to be able to adapt and learn the language to become more effective in the culture there. And I just pray that many would be won to Christ uh, through these efforts and that our offering would be an encouragement to them and help them in their ministry. Uh, thank you for all those who served in Awana this year and for all the kids that you brought to us to minister to and to love. We pray that you would bear fruit through that and we thank you for our graduates here for Brandon, Trevor, Haley, and Adam. That you bless them as they set out in their careers and life uh, that you would draw them close to yourself and keep them close, and that they would make you first in their lives as they venture forward. Uh, We commit them to your care. And and then now we commit this offering to you, Lord. We pray it would be used to bless this church and to grow your kingdom. And uh, we just thank you for this church body. Lord, as we're in a period where we're searching for a new pastor elder, we just pray your blessing on that, too, that you would guide us and direct us as we move forward from here. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Father, thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you never give up on us. May you lift our hearts to you this morning, may you minister to us through your word. Uh, What a blessing it is to know Jesus as our Savior. It's in his name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys.
1: Good morning. I ordered up this nice spring weather so you wouldn't have anything better to do than come to church. No, that's not true. But you know, it is tempting sometimes when it's nice outside to, to uh, do other things. So we got you here this morning, and, and thanks for the band for kind of cheering it up in here too. So we are in the second week of our series on Jesus as the priest and the prophet and the king. So my prophecy is in about 15 to 20 minutes, we'll be halfway done with this series, and we're going to talk about Jesus today as a prophet. I want to start out with a little pop quiz uh, just to make sure everybody's awake. So what is a prophet? A, what's left over after you pay the bills? (laughs) Saw some CPAs come awake there. Um, A device used to hold the door open is option B. I won't explain that one. Someone who sets and resets the timing of the end of the world. Or D, none of the above. I'm going to go with D because otherwise we would be done now. So this morning we're going to talk a little bit about what is a prophet beyond the pop quiz. Um, We're also going to look at a prophecy about a prophet uh, from the book of Deuteronomy where Moses makes a prophecy about Christ, the prophet. We are going to look at a couple different at a parable that Jesus told um, about the purpose of prophets, and why God sent prophets, ultimately, why He sent Jesus as the great prophet, and why you should care. Why should you even care about prophets this morning? And then finally, we're going to look at a key story in Jesus' life uh, where He is presented as the prophet uh, to his people and the people in his hometown. And we'll learn from that, I think, a few things that we need to do about the fact that Jesus has come as God's prophet. Because as we read the Word of God, we always want to be looking for what's it calling for from me, okay? Definition of a prophet. This comes from the NAS exhaustive concordance. The Hebrew word for prophet is nabi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, don't know Hebrew, but it seems like a good place to start with because that's where the word prophet in the Bible first shows up. It's in Hebrew. And it's a pretty simple definition. It's a spokesman or a speaker. And then this other, uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary says, it's one in whom the message of God springs forth. One in whom the message of God springs forth. So as a spokesman for God, a prophet should be listened to, right? And you might ask, well, What's, what's up? Can't God speak for himself? And God can speak for himself. That's not really the problem. You know, and if you think back to the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were first created and the world was first created, God came down and he talked face-to-face with Adam and Eve. You know, we have a very specific incident of that. He came down in the cool of the garden, in the cool of the day, into the garden, and he talked with Adam and Eve. But that ended one day. That ended the day that Adam and Eve decided to do their own thing. That's called sin. So they chose to disobey God. They took the fruit, thinking that it would make them smarter, make them able to make their own decisions, decide what's right and wrong, and take a step of independence from God. And on that day, God took Adam and Eve out of the garden. And he set up an angel in the door of the garden and separated them from the tree of life with a sword of fire. And so there was a problem. God is holy, and he's powerful in his holiness. And because of their sin, they were not able to stand in the presence of God anymore. They weren't able to just face-to-face go for a stroll in the cool of the day in the garden with God a barrier came in and that hence prophets okay so i i have this picture in my mind and we'll see a little definition of it too a reality of it really from from deuteronomy but here's god and he's a holy consuming fire here's people we are sinners and so for us to directly interact with god creates a challenge and so god gave prophets and we'll see that when we look at Deuteronomy. So the prophet goes and speaks with God, receives the message, and brings it to the people. Thus says the Lord. We read that over and over again. In the Old Testament, a prophet comes, thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord has told me to tell you. It's not his own words. It's God's words. So God's holiness and our sin called out a need for a prophet to go between us and the Lord. So, we're going to start out um, talking about the promised prophet, and by the promised prophet, I mean the the prophet that Moses talked about that was going to come. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 18 and read verses 15 through 22. So, if you have your Bible, maybe you can take that out and turn with me to Deuteronomy 18. If you got it on your phone or or whatever, there should be some pew Bibles under the seats in front of you, or we will put it up on the screen, but it'll be hard to read, because it's quite a few verses. So the, the context of this passage in Deuteronomy 18 is, Moses has been up on the mountain of God. Okay, so they saw lightning, thunder, earthquakes, frightening things, but Moses went right up into it, and at one point they thought he must have died, or something must have happened to him up there, but he was up there getting the law of God from God directly, and he came back, and he was delivering it, and the book of Deuteronomy is a written version of of very much of what God talked to Moses, and it was laws and ceremonies, ways to conduct a nation the called people of God, the nation of Israel, God's instructions for that, and how to Uh, to go through the ceremonies for cleansing and and sacrifices for sin and all these things are excuse me Moses in the in the middle of detailing all those things out here in Deuteronomy and then there's this this little break in here and let's just read it Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. The Lord your God so Moses is talking to the the nation of Israel the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. See what they're saying there? You go up Moses, you talk to him, I don't want to die in that fire. Okay, that's, that's what we were talking about. God as a holy, just, righteous, consuming fire, and them as sinners, they knew, they knew what they were up against. So they said, if somebody's going to die, Moses, it's going to be you. And you, you see that if you ever read about the prophets in the Old Testament, they're not very highly esteemed people because they don't bring very popular messages a lot of the time. But Moses went up and he got the message. So uh, that, that was how he ended up on the mountain. And the Lord said to me, verse 17, they are right in what they have spoken. I, and this is, this is Jehovah talking to Moses, and Moses is passing this on, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words That he shall speak in my name I myself will require it of him but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods that same prophet shall die so that's what the Lord had told Moses and Moses was passing that on to them and he says and if you say in your heart how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So presumptuously, that just means he, he took his own initiative. He decided to say something on his own. He wasn't given the word of the Lord. So there are some things that we learn about a prophet. And since we're talking about Christ the prophet today, Let's take a little bit of time to look at the things in this passage that we learn about a prophet. So, and this is true prophets, because we read that there are prophets that are not true prophets. They're not really speaking. They might say, thus says the Lord, but thus the Lord did not say. They're not true prophets. So, a true prophet is sent by and spoken to by God. God is the source of his message God is the one that sent him on this mission to the people to show his word to them. And that's what a prophet does, as we, as we saw. So he's spoken to by God, but he also speaks what he heard from God. So on one side, remember, there's God on one side, the consuming fire, speaking his word directly. On the other side, this man, like them, is talking to them and giving them the word of god and the prophet can be tested so there was this little test that that moses said to um the people of here's how you know because they said what if what if it's just somebody coming on his own you know telling us what he wants us to hear and it's not truly a prophet so moses gave them this test he said if what they say does not come true it's not a prophet sent from god a pretty simple test and you you see that you know with uh the prophets that you read through the bible elijah for example you know he spoke against the way that the king and the queen were behaving in israel but he also said it's not going to rain until i say it's going to rain again and guess what happened It didn't rain. Good. Just check and see if anybody's awake. I was glad to hear somebody is. It didn't rain until Elijah said it's going to rain. So he gave a test. Um, Moses. You know, we read Moses was a prophet, right? He told Pharaoh, these different plagues are gonna come on you, because until you let the children of Israel, they were they were slaves in the land of Egypt. Moses went to the Pharaoh and said, let them go. God sent me to you to tell them, to tell you to let them go. And these 10 things are going to happen. And one by one, as long as you don't let them go. And they happened. There were, you know, different plagues, frogs, lice, um, boils and sores on their, themselves. The water turned to blood. Um, locusts came, ate all their crops. And finally all of the firstborn in the whole land died it was a proof that moses was speaking for god and so that was true of the old testament prophets now there are some people that come today and tell us things that the bible says this bible says that i've got something else that wasn't in the bible god added something god changed his mind this that or the other thing and there are a couple tests um in the new testament as well for prophets it's not so much today that somebody comes and says okay no rain until you do what i tell you but uh in 1 corinthians 12 it says that no spirit that is speaking from god says curse a curse on jesus okay and nobody says jesus is lord unless they have submitted to the lordship of god so prophecies today They're going to support Jesus as supreme and as ruler. And also in 1 John 4, there's a test there and it says that um, if anyone comes and they don't say that Jesus was sent from God in the flesh, so in other words, Jesus is God the Son, and he became a man and was born into this world, sent by God, if they don't say that, if they say something else, then they're not a prophet of God. And you can come across people like that today. They will say, Jesus and Satan were brothers. Jesus made the right choices, so he became the son of God. Satan made the wrong choices, so he became the devil. Um, You can read things like, you know, Jesus was a great prophet, but he was not God. He wasn't God, because there's only one God. And there's another prophet that came after him and gave us this additional information. Well, those you can set those aside because there is a test for prophets, and that's the test for prophets today. Those are not true prophets, but be careful what you believe, right? Just because someone tells you they got a word from the Lord, the Lord, doesn't mean they did. Sometimes we might tend to believe what we want to believe. You know, maybe somebody tells us um, there's no consequence for your sin, or there's no God, and... You say, well, I kind of like my sin. Maybe I'll just receive that message. No, we need to test that it's from God. That reminds me of a story I heard about a boy that had problems with lying. And his parents were getting more and more concerned about his lies. One day he came in the house screaming, there's a lion out in the backyard. There's a mountain lion out there. And they called other kids in, got them in the house and looked out there. And they said, where's the lion? He said, right there. Well, that's our dog. So, he, he, you know, they said, go to your room, Jimmy, and you need to pray. You need to confess your lies to God, and you need to stay there until you hear from God. We're not going to deal with this anymore. And so he went up to his room, and he came back down in a few minutes. They were a little surprised. They said, did you go confess your sin to God? He said, yeah, confess my sin to God. Did you hear from God? Yeah, I heard from God. Well, what did God say? Well, uh, God said the first time he saw that dog, he thought it was a lion too. <laughs> See, he heard what he wanted to hear. I don't know if that's a true story or not, but it kind of more or less fit in that spot. From Moses' message, the prophets that came, actually came from God must be obeyed. They must be obeyed. Um, there's a consequence for disobedience. There's a consequence for obedience. And this is kind of the message of Deuteronomy that Moses was delivering do this and live, don't do this and die. And there's a story about a prophet, and that's what this little picture is from, that God sent to go, and he was supposed to bring a message against the idol, an altar that was set up to an idol. And so he, and God said, you go there, you deliver your message, you come back a different route, don't stop and eat or drink anything. And so he went, he delivered the message, he started going back a different way, and somebody else came to him and said, hey, come on in and, and stop for a meal. Eat before you go back. He said, no, God told me no. He said, well, God told me yes. And so that younger prophet, he listened to this older guy, and he went in. And while he was sitting there, he got the message from God, you're not going to make it back home. And God sent judgment. And so that, you know, that... People sometimes read the Old Testament and think, "Boy, that's pretty extreme. I don't know how you believe in God. And sometimes maybe we shy away from some of those things. But you know, the reality is you and I have eternal souls. We're made in the image of God. We're made body, spirit, and soul. And our spirit and our soul are going to live on forever. And our body is going to be raised up from the dead. And there is a consequence for what you do with Jesus. And it's eternal one. So you need to pay attention to what Jesus said in his prophecies because Jesus is the way of salvation. He's the way into the presence of God. If we have our sins taken care of by the work of Jesus, we have full access to God. We can come, Hebrews says, we can come boldly into his presence. We can do that spiritually this morning, we will do that physically one day if we are sheltered by the blood of Jesus through his work on the cross. If you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus as your Savior, one day you'll stand before God and you won't be afraid about your sins. You won't be afraid about any kind of consuming fire or holiness because we are holy as Jesus was holy. But if you choose to ignore that prophecy, just like Moses said, you know, you must obey him. If we don't obey Jesus' call to come unto me, Then we will have the consequence of eternally being separated from God in a place where there is no prophet. There is no messenger coming to you to bring the word of God. And that's an eternal condition. So pay attention to Jesus' prophecy. So I want to go over to a parable that Jesus told in Mark chapter 12. So if you could turn over with me to Mark chapter 12. And this is a parable that kind of tells us why God went to the trouble of sending prophets. This is just a quote that Peter gives this quote from Moses that, and Peter is saying, today that prophecy of Moses about this prophet has been fulfilled in Jesus. So the New Testament refers back to this prophecy and confirms that it is Jesus that we're talking about this morning. Okay, let's read Mark chapter 12 together. <clears throat> and this is Jesus, and he's telling a, a parable or a story with a lesson. It says, He began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, and dug a pit for the wine press, and built a tower, and leased it to tenants, and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get them to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant. They struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and they killed him. And so with many others, some they beat, some they killed, he had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. They were seeking to arrest him but feared the people for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and he went away. So this story is told about a vineyard and and we can kind of, especially in the last decade or so in Iowa, vineyards are, are showing up all over the place. There's probably two or three within a few miles of my home. When you drive past it, and you look out there, you can see that somebody has intentionally set this place up. You see straight rows of these vines. And they're, they're trimmed, and they, there's a, a wire that they go up around in straight rows, and it's mowed in between, and, and, you know, they've been pruned. It's very carefully kept. And when you look at that, you know that somebody put that there for a purpose. And I feel the same way about this world that I'm in. I like to go out first thing in the morning, go out on the deck. And, you know, depending on the time of year, I can see the stars. I might see the sunrise, see the trees, the grass. I hear birds singing almost every day. And I, I like to do that, number one, because it helps wake me up. But number one, actually, because it reminds me that I'm in this world that God has made. And God has put me in it and given me the full ability to enjoy it. And I do. But He wants us to thank Him. He wants us to recognize that this belongs to Him and that the pleasure of it is His. And that's a good thought to start your day out with, a thought of worship and thanksgiving and of ownership of God. And so this story about the vineyard and these messengers that come, one after another after another, that's the story of the Old Testament. God created this world. He gave man to have dominion over it, to till it, to keep it. What did he do? We sinned. And we took away for ourselves what God created for him. But God sent messenger after messenger after messenger. Moses was one of them to say, give me what's my due. And we'll talk a little bit later about what is his due. And they consistently were... Um, rejected, ignored, put in prison, beaten, even killed, just like the parable that Jesus told. And so, um, finally, God sent that prophet predicted by Moses, his only son, his beloved son. You know, do you see how important this message is to God He didn't just keep sending people, you know, some, in sending pawns into the front lines to get killed. When everything else failed, he sent his only, his beloved son. God cares that we get this message. God cares that he gets his due out of this creation that he's put us in. And it's not just for our pleasure, although we will have joy in what, you know, what belongs to God, but it's because it's his right. He's the one that set up this vineyard. If you look at it, there's an order to it. If you read his word, you see that it fits. It, it, it matches reality. God has, excuse me, a claim on this creation, and we're part of it. And he cares so much that we know that, that he sent his one, his beloved son, Jesus, into this world to be that prophet. And Jesus was treated the same way that the other prophets were treated. They rejected him. They abused him. They killed him. They cast him out. They said, we won't have this man to reign over us. He will reign over us. Kyle's going to talk about Jesus as the king next week. He will reign over us. Are you going to be in his kingdom or in that place of separation that belongs to those who disobey the prophecy? Well, let's, let's... uh, move on, then I want to look at an incident in Jesus' life in Luke chapter 4, and this is, uh, takes place very early in his public ministry. He was born in a town called Nazareth, which was, you know, kind of a, a no-name, maybe dumpy town. There was a saying that said, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Um, I'm not even going to you know trying to draw any correlations to any towns in iowa or in the united states, or states in the united states no but this this was a place that wasn't really thought very well of and jesus had grown up there they had seen him they'd seen him with his father his uh with his mother mary and the um, her husband joseph who acted as his human father although he wasn't his human father but they knew him as a member of their family and then he had gone um, when he was about 30, he started making it known who he was. And he started doing some miracles and teaching. And so now he comes back to Nazareth, and he's beginning to be known a little bit. And he comes into the, the synagogue there. And let's read, um, beginning in verse 16 of Luke chapter 4, it says, He, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And this is a quote from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, or the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? So we'll just stop there for a minute. So that's a a pretty nice message that Jesus was delivering. If If you think about that historically, you know, the nation of Israel was occupied by the Roman Empire. They took taxes from them. They took whatever they wanted from them, really. And so they were kind of like slaves in their own country and captives in their own country, and, and they were oppressed, and this is Nazareth, probably the poorest of the poor there, and so Jesus comes, and he says, this is the day that this prophecy is fulfilled, um, bringing good news to the poor, uh, liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and liberty to the oppressed. That would have sounded very good, and it did sound very good to them, And they immediately latched on to that message. We might say, like, politically, maybe this is kind of a populist sort of message, you know, freedom to the people, break the oppression, and I'm here to lead it. It's a day of good news for you, and they latched on to that right away. And so Jesus, not being a politician, didn't leave it there, did he? Let's let's keep going and see, because really this is where this pattern of the prophet of God continues on. Um, in Jesus' life. So we'll read, um, starting in verse 23 there. And Jesus said to them, this is right after they said, um, they thought, spoke well of him, he said to them, doubtless, you will quote me in this proverb, in this proverb, physician, heal thyself, heal yourself what we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So they heard about miracles that he had done. He had fed people. He turned water to wine. He had done some great things. And they were going to say, do them here. Prove yourself. Prove who you are. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. So here Jesus is taking his place as a prophet, right? He says, this is pretty typical. What you're going to do to me, you're going to say, um, we don't want you. And this turn is going to happen very quickly. He says, but in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed. But only Naaman, the Syrian, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up, drove him out of the town, and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. So why this, why this sudden change? Well, he touched on, he touched on a nerve. You know, they they wanted this deliverance for them. They were Israelites. They were Jews that, that had a claim on God's blessing, that were expecting their Messiah, that were expecting a king to come and release them from the oppression of their captors. And Jesus had just said he was that one. And they latched onto him right away, but then he turned and said, you know what, there's a reason. I mean, he didn't say these words exactly, but there is a reason why you are captive. There's a reason why you're oppressed. And that message is one that Jesus and God's word brings to us throughout it. There is a reason, Bob, why sometimes you feel oppressed. There's a reason why you feel held captive and bondage from sin. These two people that he talks about were from people groups that the Jews would have thought very lowly of. The Samaritans, they were they were mixed up i mean they their theology was way off they were they just didn't didn't fit in with judaism at all (laughs) and they were despised but jesus says there was one only one widow in the whole land that god took care of in the famine in the days of elijah and it was a samaritan there was only one leper in the days of elisha that was healed and it was a syrian And so, what can we learn from that? Well, if you go back and read the stories of these two people, I'll try to summarize them fairly quickly, but this woman, this uh, widow in Samaria, she was out gathering sticks to make a fire to make her last meal for herself and her son because of the famine in the land. She was going to eat it. They were going to starve to death. Elijah, the prophet of God, comes up to her and says, give me bread she said well we were just going to eat this and die he says give it to me and your food will never run out for as long as this famine lasts what do you think she did i mean here's a mom a widow mom single mom with a young child one meal left she gonna give it to him this guy that comes up and says give me your last meal she did she did Just the opposite of what we read about those messengers, those prophets that went to the vineyard to say, give God what he deserves. And they said, no, get out of here. We're keeping this for ourselves. No, this woman said, here, you're the prophet of God. I will give you what I think is my last meal. And so that place of giving God what is rightfully his, which is us, we're his creation. You know, he's given us a will, but we are his creation. We are rightfully his Jesus says, you guys have not given yourself to me. This one widow did. And so she was preserved and she was blessed. What about Naaman, the Syrian? Well, he was a a great commander of the Syrian army, the enemies of God. He had captive Israelites working for him as slaves in his house. One of them told him, go see Elisha. He'll heal you. So he went to Elisha. Elisha said, okay, go, uh, go, well, Elisha didn't even talk to him in person, sent a message out to him and said, go wash yourself in the Jordan River. And Naaman said, that's a dirty river. <laughs> I've got better rivers than they had at my house. You know, I, I can go someplace clean and wash, and I don't have to, like, you know, show off my leprosy in front of everybody. And he's, he went home mad, and his servant came to him and said, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. Why can't you do this? And he said, okay, I will. And he went down. He took a humble place, acknowledged himself as a leper, went into that dirtiness, and came out clean. The only leper that was healed in the days of Elisha. So, what can we take from his story? God calls us To repentance to a low place to take a place before him as a sinner as diseased before him and so naaman would do that and naaman did that but the people of israel when they were told repent turn back to god they said no go away we don't want to hear what you're bringing to us and so they did that to jesus right in this time his hometown and took him and tried to throw him over the cliff There was a day that Jesus would die as a martyr, but this was not the day. And if you ever wonder if Jesus could have come off the cross or stayed off the cross, you can look back at this story. There was a crowd bringing him up to the side of a cliff to throw him over, and he just walked through. It wasn't time yet. It wasn't time yet. But that was their reaction to Jesus saying, you know what, the way to blessing, the way to what I want to give you is for you to give me what's due to me. Give me yourself. Worship me. Praise me. And take that place of humility and repentance for sins like Naaman did. And then you can be made clean. You can be made fit for my presence. And you can be blessed. So, there were many prophets. Jesus is the great prophet. He's the subject this morning. Jesus the prophet. And I just want to run down through this comparison real quickly with you that shows you the superiority of Jesus and and no doubt many of you are very familiar with this, but he was the word. John 1 tells us he was the word, a person that is the word of God. Other prophets, they were given a word and they turned and said, this is what the Lord says. Uh, Second, he was God. And I say second, but this is not a, a complete list. He was God himself. Others were sent by God. He was with God. We read that in John 1. That which was from the beginning was with God. And he came and he made God known to us. Other prophets met with God. Moses had a place that he would go meet with God face to face to get his messages. Jesus was with God at all times and he came to us. And then in Colossians 1, there's... You know, one of my most overwhelming verses, it talks about the fact that in Jesus, God was pleased to dwell in all of his fullness. I I don't understand that. I don't know what that means, really. But God in all his fullness dwelt bodily in Jesus. This is not just somebody that got a message from God and turned around and gave it to us. This is God himself and dwelt with the Holy Spirit motivated directed by the father god the son himself in our midst as opposed to just being given some authority by god this is our jesus but he was very approachable philippians 2 says he emptied himself and took on himself the form of a serpent servant he was made a little lower than the angels we read that in hebrews chapter 12 he was heard john his apostle says he we heard him we saw him we looked upon him, we touched him with our hands, and we declared him to you. All of those things, you know, God himself, the fullness of God dwelling in him, being God, being the word, being this, the, the one that was sent from God, made human, right in the middle of people. They could touch him. You know, they, didn't, they weren't afraid. It wasn't like Mount Horeb where there was lightning and thunder and smoke coming out. They could touch him. A woman who was ceremonial and unclean could come up and touch the edge of his garment the edge of his robe and be healed he was approachable this is god's prophet and through jesus god reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of christ's blood on the cross as we close out this morning we're going to remember what jesus did on the cross by taking the bread, a symbol of his body, and the cup, a symbol of his blood, the blood of the cross by which God reconciled everything to himself. So this morning, uh, the band can come back up. But We've looked at Jesus as a prophet of God. He is God, but he is also God's prophet. He brought the message to God, of God to us, He reconciled us to God through the blood of his cross. Let's just thank him for that this morning and giving thanks for the loaf and the juice. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for sending your one, your beloved son into this world that had sent back messenger after messenger, denying your claims on them. And indeed, we did send your son back. you reconciled us to yourself through the blood of his cross that death that we murderously placed on him you used to redeem us to yourself thank you father for loving us so much that you would send such a dear and precious messenger to your own heart to us to make your love known to us to show us the path back to you through worship through thanksgiving through repentance for sins And through turning to you and acknowledging your rightful place over us, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are willing to do this for us. And we give thanks for this bread and this juice that reminds us of your sacrifice. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen.
0: You know, every week when we take the bread and the juice is a time to uh, reflect to tell God how much we need Him to confess our sins to Him so just take advantage of that time uh, if you're visiting with us today this is our normal practice um, if you are a believer in Jesus we invite you uh, to come join us in this remembrance of Jesus but we'll sing this How. Love for us. All I
1: want to leave you uh, with one challenge, and it's one of the prophecies of Jesus. But as we think about his rights on us and what, what he wants for us, this comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God, And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things, that's the things that we spend our, you know, 40 to 60 to 80 to 100 hours per week at. Food, clothing, you know, shelter, all those things. Jesus said, don't get taken up with those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His rights on us. Through repentance, righteousness through our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming this morning and i trust you have a blessed week